Amen. Well, I'll take that as a prophetic word for today. He's going to fill us with his love, and he's going to set us free. So I'm I, not anything special about today other than the fact that God is here. Amen. That makes it pretty special. Yes. So whatever your needs may be, I, I, you know, as we go through this time of worship and the time of the word, everything we do, God is wanting to speak to each one of you. We need to get our ears in tune with him. We need to get our hearts in tune with him because he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak the words that you need to hear right now that would bring health and happiness and wholeness into your life. He doesn't want you miserable. He doesn't want you broken. He doesn't want you sick. He wants you healthy and whole. That's who God is. Amen. I want to read you Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What I want you to get out of that is that God has always wanted to speak to us. God wants to speak to you right now, today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God wants to speak life and health and wholeness into you. You could have been suffering your whole life or something, but today is the day that you can be set free if you'll hear his voice. Because when he speaks, things happen. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And he has given us an inheritance in him. And it's not some crummy second-rate inheritance. It's the inheritance of a king. So Lord, this morning we rejoice in who you are and who we are because you have made us new creations. You've made us your people. We weren't a people. We were far away and you drew us near by the blood of the cross. You saved us. You took us out of that old life and you put us into a new life. Brought us into the kingdom of your dear son. Brought us into the kingdom of light. Help us, God, to hear your voice. Today, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to exalt you because you are worthy. Yes. You are worthy, Lord. Yes. And I thank you, Lord, that you are working good in us and for us and through us all the time. Even when we don't see it, I know you're always working on my behalf. You're always working good. So, Lord, this morning I celebrate and I thank you for that. We rejoice and we will lift your name up. And as we do that, Lord, we invite you to come. Come and just walk up and down these aisles. Speak to us, touch us, heal us, change us. Today is a day of salvation where we can be saved, we can be delivered, we can be set free. Today is a day. Now I don't want to go away the same way I come in, Lord. I want to be changed. So hear us now, speak to us now, receive our worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Terry, you're talking about salvation and, and that... Jesus is salvation, and today actually is a special day. <clears throat> today is Yom Kippur. Now, if you don't know what Yom Kippur is, that is uh, the Day of Atonement. <clears throat> and uh, 
Jesus is our atonement. So just want to throw that out for you.
earth and all creation.
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, this morning we know that you're the only one that satisfies. We don't need more information. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more politicians or more doctor's reports. We need more of you. Because only you can satisfy us, Lord. Only you can truly fix our problems. Everybody else just puts a Band-Aid on it, but you deliver us completely. Lord, I thank you that our eyes are fixed on you this morning, Lord. I remember the time in the, the Pharisees sent someone to question Jesus. And they came back and they reported and they said, well, what'd you find out? And they said, he does all things well. They said, well, what, you were supposed to go there and give him, what do we say? He does all things well. The same Jesus is still doing that today. He's not trying to figure it out. He's not trying to see if he can do something right. He does all things well. We need to see that kind of a Jesus. We need to see that kind of a father. The one that does all things well. The one that we can trust fully, that we don't have to fear or doubt or question. But we know that he's always working in and for and through us. And he does well. You don't ever have to question his motives because he is good and he always does good. So Lord, this morning, I thank you that we can trust you. We can trust you, Lord. And we sang that just now. We know you're the only one that can satisfy. You're the only one that can fill us up when we're empty. You're the only one that can heal our brokenness. You're the only one that can put our feet up on that rock and get us out of the muck and the mire. You're the only one, Lord take care of our needs. So teach us, Lord, to wait on you, to wait on you until you satisfy. I don't want to shortcut what you're doing in my life by by taking the quick fix that the world offers. I don't want to take the first thing that comes along. I'm not going to settle for anything less than your very best in my life. Your very best, Lord. I am your child, and I am a member of your family, a citizen of your kingdom, And I have rights, I have privileges, I have promises. There are laws that govern the activities of the kingdom. And I say yes and amen to you, Lord. I will walk in the abundant life. I will walk in freedom. I will walk in victory. Because you lead me in triumph and you cause me to be more than a conqueror. Because you love me. When you defeated death, hell, and the grave, you came up out of that grave on the third day. After you'd finished the work on the cross, you you took care of everything. It's complete. And I thank you for that, Lord. So today, we say yes to you, Lord. Yes to you. Yes to your plan. Yes to your healing. Yes to your forgiveness. Yes to your victory. Yes to your promises. Yes to you when you ask us to go, or you ask us to stay, or you ask us to follow, or you ask us to love or serve. We say yes. Give us ears to hear, Lord. A heart to obey. I thank you, Lord, that you're here this morning. You're speaking to each one of us. You're always speaking to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear. We're going to just take a moment, and while um, we're just in his presence, Carol's going to play, and we're going to just allow the Lord to breathe life into us.
And I think it's okay just to, just to inhale. His presence is here. Just receive. Let him speak to you. If someone has a word that they feel like we all need to hear is of the Lord, then just let me know. The Lord, speak to us now as we, as we breathe in of your spirit and your presence. Speak to us, Lord. nothing more peaceful and soothing to me than to hold a little baby in your arms, watch him sleep, watch him relax. The most amazing thing is when that little baby reaches up and grabs a hold of one of your fingers and just holding on to you. I believe that's what the Lord is doing right now as we're in his presence. He's letting us feel He's got us in his arms and he's inviting us to just relax, be at peace. Just reach up, grab a hold. Grab a hold of him because there is strength and there is freedom and there is life, peace, and it's all available in him. We need to learn to just relax and let him be God in our lives. There's so much chaos and confusion and strife in the world and, and we get caught up in that, but we need to wait on him. We need to get in his presence where we can just crawl up in his arms and say, here I am. I need, I need you just to hold me and love me. Let me experience your peace. That's for you to receive that this morning. Lord, we lift up those in our body that are going through difficult times, especially Carlos and Elaine, we call out to you, Lord, on their behalf that you've healed. Lord, I pray this morning that right now that you would do what we just said, Lord, that you would just bring them up in your arms, let them experience your peace and your love and your presence. Wrap them in your love, Lord. Comfort them. Give them hope and expectation of your total and amazing, miraculous fulfillment of your word in their lives, Lord. Heal completely 
Deliver Elaine. Set her free, Lord. Lord, we thank you for medicine. We thank you for doctors. And I pray you give those doctors wisdom. Let the treatments go well. And protect her body from all the side effects that there be no complications with her underlying conditions or anything else, Lord. And that, that that blood would be restored to normal, Lord. You're not a God of chaos, but you're a God of order. Just like you spoke order into the, the chaos in creation, Lord. Speak order into Elaine right now, into her blood. Set everything right. In Jesus' name, protect and watch over her. Bless that family. Give her favor, Lord. And for all those who are struggling with physical issues or financial issues or relationships or maybe they're discouraged or, or on the brink of depression, Lord, you are our deliverer. You're the God of redemption. And so we stand in the promise of your word, Lord. Hear our prayers. Set us free. Heal us. And Lord, we pray for our nation. That you'd also heal this nation, Lord. Forgive us for allowing laws to be put in place that are against you and against principles that, that are abominations to you, Lord. Forgive us for that. Cause your people to rise up, be the body of Christ that we should be. That we would stand against ungodly rules and laws in the culture of the day. Lord, we come against all forms of racism, division and strife, and anger, hatred, and and chaos, Lord, we just speak against that now and say in Jesus' name, let peace overthrow all the chaos. Let order over overthrow all of the confusion. Let forgiveness overthrow all of prejudice and racism. And let love overthrow all the hatred. Let us walk in, in uh, humility and love and unity as your body and as a nation, Lord, that there is a greater cause. You are wanting to work in and for and through us, your purposes, Lord, as individuals, as a body, locally, as a church, as a community, as a state, as a nation, Lord. We are part of something so much bigger. You want to have a part in us helping to work towards good and resolution, not causing more problems, Lord. And so we want to speak love, health, and wholeness, Lord. I bless your name, Lord, and I bless this nation with your goodness and your favor. I bless our leaders, our politicians, with your goodness and wisdom and favor, Lord. I bless uh, your people, those that are called by your name, with the ability to hear your voice like never before. Give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done this morning and all you're going to do. We know that you are beginning a work in us that is going to change us today, Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking for months now about wounds in our soul and how the Lord wants to heal them and how that works. And I'm convinced now more than ever of the, uh, not only the, the truth of that, but how important it is that we, that we learn about it and learn to operate in that area because we all have 
issues in our lives. We all have struggles. We all have things that are, and, I, and I'll just tell you, most of us accept those as just, well, that's who I am. That's how I've always been. That's who I am. Well, I'd like to just suggest to you that maybe God says you're supposed to be somebody different. Because when you became a new creation, he didn't say, you know, your same old crummy stuff is going to be who you are. He said, all that old stuff has passed away and all things are becoming new. So there's a big word that people throw around in the Bible, the sanctification. It really, it's the process. From the moment you say yes to the Lord and you become born again, from that point for the rest of your life, you are learning how to walk with the Lord, learning how to become more like Him, learning how to let Him change you into His image. And God uses all things. That's what Romans 8, 28 says. He uses all things for His good. And if you read the next verse, most everybody doesn't read that far because they're all about the all things for our good. But the purpose of all that is so that we will be conformed to the image of His Son. So all those things that happen in our life, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. God uses all those things to change us so that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the purpose of it all. And so all things are not pleasant. <clears throat> you know, I'm not arguing that point. Some things are downright unpleasant. They're challenging. They're, you know, they can be very difficult. But God is working good in and far and through us all the time. And when we don't see it, he's still working good. And that's, that is our job, is to believe that that's who God is. God is good. God is love. I mean, we know that that's his very nature. That's who he is. And so I've shared this before, but just think about this. You know, when you have all, most of you have had children, and you've certainly held babies, you don't hold that baby in your arms and just be softly whispering to him, man, I can't wait to mess your life up and cause you all kinds of grief. You know, I'm going to make you miserable. I'm going to put all kinds of rules and requirements on you that are going to make your friends hate you and make your friends think you're freaky. You know, guess what? God is not that way either. <clears throat> God is holding us in his arms and he's saying, look, I want to bless you. I want to make your life better. Woohoo! God wants to do good. And we have to be convinced of that. Or otherwise, the enemy will come against you when the, when the storms of life come and when the challenges come and he starts saying, yeah, look what God's letting happen in your life, you'll start believing those lies. But you need to learn to respond to those kind of lies and reject them. That's why we're talking about renewing our mind. It's a, it's, it's a way of training ourselves to think differently so that when the thoughts come, we reject the ones that are not appropriate for us, and we grab a hold of the good thoughts. Because in your brain, your physical brain, you have memories. And if you don't realize this, I'm going to explain it to you a little bit, but you, your thoughts, that comes from your mind, not your brain, your thoughts influence the actual memories physically in your brain. So you've got, you've got memories and thoughts that are part of your structure in your brain. They're literally 
growing. They look kind of like trees, uh, ganglions and dendrites and neurons and all these things that communicate and do all this stuff that I can't explain the technical part of it. But I'm telling you, it's true, they're there. And there are good thoughts and bad thoughts. There's good memories and bad memories. And the bad thoughts and memories, it looked like a dead scraggly tree, you know, just you know, like, like in the wintertime, no leaves on it. But the good memories and good thoughts, when you, when you see an image of them, they look like a beautiful oak tree with full of leaves, like this big oak tree we have out here in the front. I mean, that, that's the way they look. They're full and they're alive. So as we learn to control our thoughts, you think about things like uh, we read the scripture last week in Philippians, whatsoever things are pure and true and just and lovely and of a good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. When you begin to think on those kind of things, then those dead trees begin to wither up and they actually don't have any power over you anymore. When you do this process that we're talking about, you change the way that you think, you change the memories in your brain, and the good memories become stronger than the bad memories, and then you begin to respond to life situations out of those good memories. So when a situation comes up, you always used to get mad. Well, now you can control that. It's like, yeah. I bless those people, you know. I'm not going to get mad at them. Or, you know, something flashes before your eyes that, you know, it's inappropriate images in your mind, and, and it's like, nope, not going to go there. And you take those thoughts into captivity and say, no, I reject that. It's a way of training yourself to think so that you don't just keep doing the same old things. That's what insanity is, right? Doing the same things that you've always done, expecting a different result. So... We want to change our thinking so that we are thinking like God's Word. Because that's, that's where the power is in His Word for us as individuals. When we begin to know His Word, begin to meditate on His Word, then His Word becomes alive to us and it becomes powerful in our lives and it changes us. That's why He said, meditate on my Word day and night and your life will be prosperous and good. When you, when you are thinking God's word, things are going to go better in your everyday life. That doesn't mean you won't have any struggles in life, but it means that you can have victory and you can walk in peace and joy even through the struggles. That is significant. <clears throat> okay, so uh, why don't we go ahead and do that, Sherry, if you got that PowerPoint again. So it's a, this is just a, uh, it's a very practical way to do what we're talking about. This is not real spiritual. Uh, so you look at, look at this, the, the box in the middle is your, it's your thought or issue that you're trying to change your thinking about. And what you're going to do now is you're, you're actually going to take a piece of paper and you're going to kind of write it out. And don't, don't do all the boxes. There. I'm, I'm doing this just for the sake of presenting it to you. You can use your hen scratch. You can use shorthand, whatever you want to do. But you're going to start over in the upper left. That's number one. You're going to think for a few minutes every day. Just think about how do I get these, where, where is the input? Where are these things coming from, the thoughts? What tends to make me think this way? And as you start thinking about that, then you've got to figure out if you're going to receive it or reject it. Two or three minutes every day. And then you reflect and recognize that's a focused evaluation. I mean, you're going to spend a little time thinking about it. How am I going to do this differently so I don't 
fail in this area, how am I going to do this so that I can begin to meditate and think about God's Word? Spend two or three minutes on that. And then spend two or three minutes uh, rethinking and repenting over the things that God reveals to you. Because God will reveal to you as you begin to meditate, you begin to think about and maybe do this during your prayer time even. Uh, and ask the Lord to give you revelation, give you some new ways of thinking about things. And I would encourage you to use Scripture for all of that. When you come up with Scripture and you start thinking about all of your struggles through a scriptural perspective, God can really change you. And then the final thing is respond and react. That's how you apply it to your life. So you're going to spend a few minutes thinking about it, and then throughout the day, when you've got your action plan together and you know this is what I need to do, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to, to do this, Seven or eight, ten times a day, uh, go over that. All throughout the day, keep reminding yourself, this is how I'm going to be different. This is what I'm going to do differently. All right, next slide. This is an actual example of one that I did. So I, I put fear of failure in there because all my life I've been afraid of failing. That's really not appropriate for a child of God. It's not appropriate for a pastor especially. Uh, it's not appropriate for anybody. But once I realized that that was one of the things I struggled with, and most of the time I just, I just blew it off, you know, I mean, I wouldn't really think about it. But when I started actually meditating and thinking about my life, then I realized that that was really a reoccurring issue. And so I began to work through that. And so I thought about how, how does it come first? Well, it's personal history. You know, I've, I've failed at some things. And so the enemy can just bring that thought to you. Well, you failed before, you're going to fail again. Makes it real, real easy to fall into that trap. Deuteronomy 28.13 says that we are to be the head and not the tail. That means you're not supposed to be a failure, right? So then I began to reflect and recognize how all that was happening to me. And I realized that the future is not the same as the past. And I came up with a scripture, Ephesians 1.3. God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I realized I don't have to be a failure because God has blessed me. I am not that same old person I used to be. I am different because I'm walking in the blessing of the Lord. And then I began to rethink and repent about it. And so I started trusting God's word. And I began to reject the lies of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that uh, we are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. All things are becoming new. So I'm learning to think differently. And I'm not going to think of myself as a failure anymore. I'm going to think of myself as being victorious and successful because God is blessing me. So then during the day, the way that I do it is uh, seven or eight times a day, every hour or so, I tell myself, I'm going to be bold. I'm not going to be timid. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be bold in striving to be successful who God wants me to be. And the scripture for that is Joshua 1, 7, 8. Be strong and be courageous. Go and take the land, but be diligent to observe the things that I've told you. And, uh, and if, if we'll do that, meditate on God's word, God will change the way that we think about stuff. Next slide. And then, uh, so that, this is each day then, as you're doing this, write down the new things that are coming to you. New revelations. So first one was personal history. Now I'm thinking about threats because they're, you know, I'll tell someone, I'm thinking about doing it. Are you dumb? You're crazy. That's going to that's gonna be a mess. Don't do that. You know, there are people that will do that. Loving, kind-hearted, friends, family, you know, co-workers. I mean, people will say things that discourage you. So you gotta, you got to decipher. I mean, you know, it's okay to listen to a counsel, but you have to figure out if those things are really appropriate or not. Well, Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Sometimes people in your life will be against you. 
they will try to discourage you. Maybe, maybe they think they're being well-meaning, but it really is a discouragement. Next slide. So every day as the Lord brings new revelation, just write these things down and read these things. You know, that, that 21 days of this, if you do this regularly, 21 days, you will be thinking differently. That's the way your mind works. Because every time when you think these thoughts, those thoughts are, are, are causing your brain to actually produce proteins and things that change the physical structure, those memories and thoughts inside your brain. But it takes about 21 days to strengthen those things where they can survive and live and thrive. So it, that's why this cycle is important. You may do it for three or four days, and you're thinking, man, this is great. I feel good. I'm going to move on to something else. Well, don't do it because you need to do it one at a time. Spend about 21 days on it, maybe a little longer. Maybe if it's something really difficult, maybe you need to do two or three cycles of 21 days. But eventually, you will change the way you think if you do this. So the future is not the past. It's also, I, I recognize that I'm supposed to be walking in the abundant life. Romans 8.32 says, God has freely given us all things. I'm not supposed to be thinking of myself as a failure. If God's given me all things, I ought to be thinking, yeehaw, I can do this. I've got to change the way I think. Next slide. So then you're going to rethink and repent. And so I started thinking, well, you know, I've been listening to the lies of the enemy long enough. I'm supposed to have the mind of Christ. And so I'm going to be different. Colossians 3.17 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That's who we're supposed to be, and that's how we're supposed to live, that's how we're supposed to think. So if we'll do that on a regular basis, it changes the way we think. Instead of thinking like the world thinks, we'll be thinking God's Word. We'll be thinking appropriately. You're building good, strong memories, and so when situations come into your life, and you used to respond with fear or doubt or anger, or you'd get easily discouraged, or you know, now you can say, oh, no, I'm not going there, uh, because now... I realize that I'm changed. I'm thinking with the mind of Christ now. I realize that I'm more than a conqueror. Did you know that, that the Father put all things under Jesus' feet? And if Jesus lives in our heart, then where are all things? They should be down here under our feet as well. Now, we don't do that perfectly, but we need to at least know that that's our, that is our position Spiritually, in the spiritual realm, that is our position. That's what we need to learn to walk out so that we can live victoriously. And then the final slide, uh, respond and react. So, hey, I'm moving on into the promised land, baby. I'm not going to live in the, in the desert for the rest of my life. I am choosing to move into the promised land. I'm going to walk as a conqueror. And the reason I can do that is because Jesus got me by the hand, and he's leading me in triumph. And I can do it. I don't have to be a failure. I don't have to accept the lies of the enemy. Now, if I fall back into that trap and start believing the lies of the enemy, then I'm going to fail. But when I, when I have those thoughts, I take them captive, I start saying, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to believe what God says. And this is what God says. I'm more than a conqueror. So I've already walked through this. I did, my, I did my 21 days, did my time, and I'm not a failure anymore. Uh, I don't think of myself that way anymore. And it didn't, 
it didn't stop me from doing some things in life, but there were certainly some things that I didn't do because I was afraid of failure. Choosing to accept the role as pastor was a big step for me because I was afraid of failure. In the back of my mind, I was like, well, what if this doesn't work out? And, uh, you know, I finally just said, okay, I'm going to do it. I think that's what God's called me to do. I'm going to do it. But the fear of failure, it can be really strong. And I think we probably all experience that. Some people are, are kind of fearless, you know. They, they'll just do anything. And the other people are more normal, and they have a certain uh, respect for failure and a certain respect for uh, you know, this could not go exactly the way I'm planning, and so you're more cautious, you know. Some people just like, just throw everything in the wind and go, you know. So I, I shared this with the staff one in a meeting. We, uh, shortly after I took over as pastor, uh, you know, when Peter was out in the boat after Jesus had been crucified and risen from the grave, uh, Jesus was on shore, and the, they were all out in the boat, and, and he said, hey, uh, you know, catch your net on the other side, and, and then through that whole process, they recognized that it was Jesus. And the Bible says that Peter stood up, pulled off his cloak, or put on his cloak, actually, he had, he had it off. He put on his cloak, and he plunged into the sea, and he swam ashore. And I told everybody in that staff, I said, look, I plunged in, and I'm inviting you to plunge in with me. You know, let's do this. We're all in. I'm not, uh, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm going for it. And if you guys run me off eventually, that's fine too. But, you know, until then, I'm all in. And we're going to keep following the Lord, and we're going to have fun doing it. And I'm encouraging you to do the same thing that I did. Change the way that you think about yourself so that you're not afraid to plunge in. Change the way you think about your life and your thought patterns because they, they affect you so much in your everyday life. Just because you've always been that way, that doesn't mean that's the way you're always supposed to be. So all the final thing I'll say about this is just don't, don't try to take on a bunch of things at once because it kind of, you need to be focused. That's how it really works best is if you're focused. That's why meditating on the Word is so powerful because you're focusing on a particular verse and, and letting it roll over and over and over in your mind, and the Lord can bring revelation and insight to you. And then when you, you feel like you've gotten all the good out of that one for that time, then you can think about another. But you, wanna, you don't want to just be flitting from one thought to the next. I mean, your brain can do that. Your brain is like a super fast computer, but you're not going to be doing each thing as well if you're flitting back and forth. It's better to be focused. So the first part of all this whole process is just making yourself think with focus. And that can be really hard for some people. I know I'm not the only one, you know, that you start daydreaming. And daydreaming is healthy for you, by the way, but you have to control it. You know, you can't just daydream all day long. You know, as far as, you know, what was it, uh, Bueller's Day Off or whatever, you know, I mean, he was in a dream world, you know, so... Uh, you can't do that. You have to, you have to stay focused. But, it, but it's healthy for you to, to have creative thoughts. It's healthy for you to daydream a little bit. How many of you have ever been praying, and then all of a sudden you realize that 
you know, you're out catching butterflies or something, you know, I mean, you're not praying anymore. I mean, your mind is way off out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I'm not the only person that does that. That's because we haven't learned to have our mind disciplined and in control like we need to. It's, 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 a, it's a focus thing. And I think the more that we consciously work at it, the better we'll get at it. And one thing that I do is uh, when I begin to realize, it's just like Amber was saying, you know, you realize that you've drifted off and your mind is somewhere else. You repent of that. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I, I want to focus on you. And you, you're training your mind. In Hebrews uh, chapter 12, <clears throat> it talks about the chastening of the Lord. It says, uh, my son, do not be discouraged at the chastening of the Lord, neither be uh, uh Don't blank. Don't be. Uh, might have to read it. Wow. Do not be discouraged by chastening the Lord. There's three different words that are used there for chastening. The first one is. Uh, it means to bring instruction or correction. The second one means to bring like reproach. Or, you know, you're, you're actually correcting someone a little more firmly. And the third word is uh, discipline, and it means it actually means whipping. And it talks about it and says the chasing the Lord, it doesn't seem to be real pleasant at the present time. Matter of fact, it's downright painful. But afterwards, it yields this peaceable fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. And that's the reason I'm quoting all this, because those who have been trained by it, that word trained, it means exercise. So you have to, you think about this, we are all involved in exercising spiritually. God does the work, but we're part of the process. You have to allow him to do it through his grace by your faith, but you have to present yourself, and you have to do the part that's yours. And your part is to meditate on the word. Your part is to put yourself in a position where you can experience his presence. Your part is to constantly be coming to him and saying, here I am. You know, I, I need you. I want to know more about you. I want to know who you are. When you begin to pray that way and ask the Lord to reveal things to you, the Lord will do that because he is faithful and good. That's what he wants to do. And if our heart is open and we're asking him to reveal where we have weaknesses or struggles, God will do that. The key is that when he does it, that we respond accordingly. We don't want to just ignore it. We want to be responsive to it. And God has given us his word to help us figure out how to do all this stuff. And there's a lot of scriptures that I confess I've read for my whole life, heard people preach about them, and I've, I've not really caught on to the fact that it was all in relation to this single idea that we need to change the way that we think. And when we do that, it changes our behavior. That, that is what renewing our mind is all about. Only God can restore our souls. And only God can really renew our minds, but we're part of the process because we have to change the way that we think. We have to take thoughts captive because there are imaginations. There are thoughts that come to us that are not good thoughts. They're not healthy thoughts. And we have to, you had a, that word uh, talking about uh, casting down arguments and uh, 
taking those thoughts captive. What it's really saying is you have to learn to curb your mind, rein in your mind so that you're not just allowing anything in. You're putting up a guard and a filter. And when thoughts come, it's like, nope, not that one. Yep, that one's good. I let that one in. I received that. And by the way, it could be the same thing. Uh, it's a little different subject, but let's just say someone says something really hurtful and ugly to you. You can, you can receive that if you want to, and it'll probably become part of your life and probably going to cause you grief from now on. Or you can just say, ah, you know, I'm just not going to receive that. I, don't, I reject that. I don't believe that about myself. And, but that's your responsibility. You have to receive or reject. And that's the way it is. Every day, all day long, there are thoughts coming at your brain, thoughts coming at you, and you, you have to constantly be deciding, am I going to receive or reject? Only you can do it. I can't do it for you. You know, your spouse can't do it for you. Kids, you know, your mom and dad can't do it for you. Everybody has to be responsible to take their own thoughts captive, receive and reject the things that you ought to be receiving and rejecting, and change the way that you think. So that the old, the old way that you thought becomes a new way of thinking. It can happen. God has not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but of power. That's dunamis, like the word we use for dynamite. Love and a sound mind. A sound mind, it literally is a disciplined mind where you have curbed it. You're not just letting anything come in. You're, you're using restraints in your mind the way that you think. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. That means your inner man, your spiritual man, your soul, who you are, your mind, your will, and your emotions, is being renewed every day. And that renewing is uh, it's, it's really significant because it's... Uh, It's what causes us to be able to be different. It's when our mind is renewed. That means to be repaired, renovated, made new. And, and it's not like just a Band-Aid approach. I mean, it's like really making it new, made new again. That's a great word, renewing our minds. And so I want to read you a couple other verses. The... Uh, Ephesians 5, 26, uh, 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her, speaking of the body of Christ, with the washing of water by the word. And of course, sanctify means to, to cleanse or set apart, purify. It doesn't mean you're perfect, by the way. It just means that you are, you're, you're being set apart and cleansed. And then he sanctifies and cleanses us. And that word cleanse there means to purify and it also means as if pruning. Pruning. Now, who likes to be cut? I don't, really. It's not always pleasant to be pruned. But, uh, but it is part of life. If you don't go through some pruning, then you won't grow properly. Sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water by the Word. And that word washing, uh, washing is uh, it's like baptism. It's, it's bathing. And did you know it actually is, it was the same word that was used for washing the dead, like preparing them for burial? 
Think about that. We're born again. We've been washed by the water of the word. We were dead, but now we're alive. We were bound in sins and trespasses, but now we've been set free and we're a new creation. Also, that word was used to talk about washing blood out of a wound. And we've been talking about wounds in our souls, so I think that's kind of an interesting side note. I didn't know that when I first started talking about this. Washing blood out of a wound. So we've all got these wounds in our souls. We've got these hurt places where someone did something to us or we did something to ourselves. Maybe we were born with some stuff. Maybe the family we were raised with, you know, parents uh, talked bad to us or discouraged us or maybe a, a teacher at school or a, a, a coach. Uh, you know, I, I, had, I had coaches, and a lot of you probably did, that just humiliate people publicly. I mean, it was like their whole point in life was to see if they could humiliate someone. And that, that affects you because you go away thinking, well, maybe I'm really not successful. Maybe I'm really not very good, or maybe I'm not very strong. And so there's all kinds of things that happen in our lives, and those things affect us. But when they do, uh, and we recognize that, then we can be healed of those wounds. And when you heal those wounds, then they're not wounds anymore, and you change the way that you think. That's the point of all this whole talking about this stuff, is so that we can change the way that we think and be healed from those wounds. And the way that we've always accepted ourselves and we've always thought, this is how I am, this is who I am. That's not who you're supposed to be, maybe. God has created you to be something more than that. So you talk about pruning. It makes me think about in John when Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And my father is the, is the gardener. And every branch that's uh, doing good or not doing good is going to get pruned because that's what, that's what gardeners do. They, they inspect everything, and they want it to be healthy and right. Think about that. Jesus is the source of life, and we're the source of fruitfulness in this life. The Father is overseeing the entire garden, but he wants us to be more productive and more fruitful. And the only way we can do that is if we're pruned sometimes. And so all these experiences that we're talking about being healed of, being delivered, those are prunings. You understand that, right? I mean, you know, you're a branch, you got a little bit of fruit on you, but the Father is saying, man, you know, you can have so much more fruit. Let me just, let me just do a little work here. Now, it's important to realize that he's not out there with a chainsaw or an axe, you know, hacking at us. That's the way we prune sometimes. You know, we got some friend and we see something in their life that we think they ought to fix. And they're like, hey, brother, do you know you, you know, we just, <coughs> you know, just come in with a bulldozer <coughs> and we just destroy the whole garden so you can start over. That's not the way God works, though. God is a master gardener and he's overseeing the entirety of it all. And he is very precise and careful because he doesn't want to cause us pain. He wants to cause health and happiness and wholeness in us. He's working in our good. He's always got the best interests at heart. So God is always wanting to prune and work in our lives to make us more productive, more fruitful. And I would suggest to you that you will be happier as a branch 
when you're more fruitful and productive. I mean, wouldn't you like to be able to, to look at your life and say, wow, you know, I can see how God's blessing me. Isn't that better than looking at your life and saying, oh, God never does anything for me. I'm just miserable. My life is it's going down the tubes. <laughs> that might be something you need to change the way you think about it, if that's you. And there are Christians that don't seem to have a very positive attitude about life. You know, they're always picking up on the negative things. They're always picking up on the things that are going wrong instead of the things that are right. Well, I want to encourage you, start focusing on the good stuff. Focus on the victories. Maybe they seem to be few and far between, but get real excited about the ones you can identify and start rejoicing over them. And then maybe you can start finding a few more things to get excited about. And before you know it, you can become a really thankful, grateful person if you change the way you think. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We are the church, just like we are the branches. The source of all the life, all the building is Jesus. And the oversight of it all is coming from the Father. But it's us. And he's wanting to do stuff in us, for us, and through us. We are the church. And he is building it. And he's doing that by changing us. And if we would be the church that we're supposed to be, you wouldn't believe what our community would look like. You wouldn't believe what this nation would look like if the body of Christ were functioning as the body of Christ. There wouldn't be all this business going on now. We wouldn't have laws that we're ashamed and embarrassed of because God's people would be a force for good like we're supposed to be. We don't want to just be a, a thermometer it kind of measures the temperature. We want to be a thermostat that sets the temperature. And all, all of stuff that goes on in life, I mean, we should be affecting it as God's people because God said, you're supposed to be a blessing. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. And that came in Christ, Christ is in us, and it's supposed to be flowing out of us. Freely we have received, we need to be freely giving. Now, I want to read one more scripture to you, and, and we're going to think on this this week. And next week when we come back, we're going to talk some more about this. So, Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. So, the reason I'm telling you that is God is, he's got a bigger plan for each one of us than just getting us into heaven. He wants to cleanse us and redeem us from every lawless deed. He wants to purify our hearts and our minds and our souls so that when we walk in this life, 
we can influence people around us and we can be light and not darkness. But if you're going to be content to just live in the same old, same old that you've always lived in, you're just missing out. Don't accept that. That is a lie of the enemy. We need to believe what God says about us. God wants to redeem us from all of the stuff that is not right in our lives. He doesn't want to say, oh, it's okay, I'll just let you, let you hang on to that. He wants to deliver us from it. When he told the children of Israel, go into the promised land, he didn't say, just you know, go in there and, and move in beside them. He said, utterly destroy it. Get it out of there. Eradicate it. Get it all out by the roots. Because if you leave it there, it's going to be a thorn in your side forever. You can't sit right down beside your old man and say, it's okay, buddy. I'm going to watch out for you. Because that old man is going to rise up and he's going to trip you and he's going to mess you up and he's going to cause you grief for the rest of your life. You have to take a stand and say, no more. I'm not like that anymore. I've been changed. I've been redeemed. You've got to change the way you think about it. Don't accept the same old stuff that you've always accepted. God has something better for us, all of us. I don't care how perfect you may think you are, God's got something better for you. I recognize I'm nowhere near perfect. I'm looking for the good stuff. I'm working towards it all the time. And that's the way we ought to all be. We ought to be thinking about, God, what are you going to do now? What are you going to change now? How am I going to grow? I want to be more like you every day. That's the hope of the gospel, is that every day we wake up with a new opportunity, a new opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Yesterday's gone. Failures from yesterday are in the past. You're not walking in condemnation over those failures. You're walking in the hope that today is a brighter day. Today is the day that I'm going to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day that I'm going to be redeemed in the way that I think. Today is the way that I'm going to walk in that mercy that's new and fresh every morning. And I'm changed. We've got to start thinking the right way. Worship team, y'all can come back. We're, we are not going to ever become who we're supposed to be if we start, don't start changing the way that we think. Because you'll never, you'll never accept all of God's promise about you if you don't change the way you think. Because I can tell you what the devil thinks and what he wants you to think, and it's not good. Now, speaking of the garden situation, the devil, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So, I mean, he's, he's wanting to come through there with the bulldozers and the chainsaws and the axes and, you know, the tillers. And, I mean, he's wanting to, to just do a bunch of rough destruction, cause disruption and pain and uh, unfruitfulness. It's totally opposite of what God wants to do. That's one of the ways you can identify when it's the enemy because... You can give it the old sniff test, you know. Does this smell like abundant life or does it smell like death and destruction? You know, I mean, you know, when you start figuring out that it's, it doesn't measure up with God's Word, reject those thoughts. Just say, I'm not going there. That's not who I am now. I was that man, but I'm not anymore. Just have to change the way you think. And it's, believe me, this is a battle that you're going to fight for the rest of your life here. And I'm going to be agging you on for as long as I can because that's what we need to do. We need to get into the battle and we need to start embracing it instead of running from it and saying, I'm all in, Lord. Here I am. Change me. 
We sing those songs, change me. How about we live it for a change? Let's do it. We're talking about it. Amen. Let's stand and worship. you have any needs you'd like special prayer for, uh, we'll have someone meet you at the altar while we sing this last song. Come, let's, let's pray. If you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. There's no reason for you to go out of here not knowing the Lord. 
If you're not sure, you got questions, you're confused, maybe you're, you've doubted, let's talk and pray. If you need prayer, come. Otherwise, uh, we'll just worship the Lord. Amen. Thank you for your word. One word from you changes everything in our lives, Lord. And that's our prayer, that you would say those words that we need to hear, Lord. We've got our eyes on you. We don't know everything about life. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. But we know yesterday is gone. We know today is in your hands. And we know that you hold our future. So our eyes are on you, Lord. I pray that you seal these words in our heart, Lord, that we would go out of here with a hope that causes us to rise up and be your body as we should be. Light in the dark world that we live in, Lord, that your power and presence would flow freely through us every day. Lord, help us to renew our minds, to think your word, to speak your word, and to live your word. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. 